0: This episode of the Designated Drinker Show is brought to you by Buffalo and Bergen, inspired by the New York soda shops of yesteryear. It's a new spin on the old classics, from knishes to cocktails. You'll enjoy bagels, egg cream, sodas, and so much more. If you want authentic, then you have to go to the source, Buffalo and Bergen, located in Union Market. For hours of operation and directions, visit buffaloandbergen.com. That's buffaloandbergen.com what is luck is it just being in the right place at the right time here in New Orleans there's no question just how easy it is to let your imagination run wild easy to imagine what might be possible the sights the sounds the history and good lord the tastes it's truly amazing they say wherever you go There you are. But some places, you carry with you. Some places, you never completely leave at all. New Orleans is one of those places. It's more than a city. It's a feeling. And it's unlike any other feeling in the world. We're down here to spend some time with some pretty inspirational friends. And we feel pretty damn lucky to do it. But that brings us back to the question. What is luck? Is it just time and place? Or does it also take the right person? It's been said that some people are just born lucky. But we prefer to believe that you can make your own luck. Maybe that's because at the Designated Drinker Show, we love to make things. Maybe it's just New Orleans and us speaking loudly. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails and the bar is open. I am Louise Salas, your host, guide, and a very fortunate taste tester. With me is the princess of the poor, the queen of the cocktail, our very own mixtress DC, Gina. Hi everybody, I'm Gina. I'm coming at
1: you from behind the bar where we've been serving drinks that I hope not only surprise, but delight for more than 20 years. And And from bars around the country.
0: By the way, did I tell you how much I love New Orleans? Jenny, you're telling me. Yes, we're coming to you from the beautiful city of New Orleans. And when I tell you has graced us with her presence, it will all make sense. Today mm-hmm. on the show, we have designate drinker Ann Tunerman, the founder of the most well-known event in the industry, Tales of the Cocktail. Ann, welcome to the show. I hope you know how honored we are for you stopping
2: by. I'm honored to be able to hang out with Gina for a few minutes, so thank (laughs) you for having me. Absolutely. Who doesn't want to hang out with Gina? I know. She truly is one of my favorite people, which I'll tell you about. So
0: Gina is the check in the mail for (laughs) Ann. I know, (laughs) right? (laughs) Seriously.
1: (laughs) I feel like I'm going to be put on um, juicing duties again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: So um, just for the rest of you who may not know who Ann is, let me give you a little bit of background. She was named uh, a James Beard Award semifinalist. She's one of, she was named one of the top, most influential people in the past 25 years by Cheers Magazine and BNIC, Cognac Personality
2: of the Year. Awesome. Yes, that was fun. I bet. Mm -hmm. So beyond that, who
0: the hell are you, Ann?
2: You know, I'm actually a a relatively simple person. you know i'm from new orleans i'm you know say public school educated i went to school in new orleans um i've only not lived here for three months after hurricane katrina um and just have a real like you know passion for my city and that's kind of what led to you know tales the cocktail um you know so again i think i'm a pretty you know simple person yeah yeah Uh, gina and i too. i'm actually not a Uh, former uh, uh, bartender so my background (laughs) is not in bartending you know either so I don't come from their background it's really marketing and promotions uh, is where you know my background is you know so we have a little bit in common yeah a Mm -hmm. husband two dogs a house you know we absolutely Uh, have all that in common a car missing all four of its rims so you know Uh, I'm just an average person you got me on that one you can actually you can have that one well you know I was (laughs) I had one left and then I lost it a couple days ago you hit these New Orleans potholes and it's like okay well there's the fourth one so well now uh, at least they all match exactly you know
0: yeah Great. (laughs) Um, So what was the inspiration to start Tales of Cocktail? Because, I mean, it is, it's quite the over, I mean, undertaking, and I've seen this, a slight, slight, tiny slice of it, and Gina has told me a lot, but where did that come from? Where did it start,
2: and where is it now? Well, uh, it's a long way from where it started now. Um, actually, the inspiration for Tales of the Cocktail happened a year before the very first one. I actually started a walking tour of New Orleans bars and restaurants. I've kind of always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I mostly worked for radio and television stations prior to you know, doing this full time. Uh, so I started this walking tour of New Orleans bars and restaurants, put it together, and the whole idea was for it to tell the history of all the famous drinks invented in new orleans and these famous establishments so again at the time you know people knew like tabasco was from new orleans but you know they didn't know You know, the Sazerac, the Ramos Gin Fizz, the Brandy Crusta, the Grasshopper, the Vieux Carré right here in the Carousel Bar. They didn't know the history of these drinks. And what's great about New Orleans is that these places are still here. You know, again, so you can go into, you know, Two Jacks, the, you know, oldest stand-up bar in New Orleans. The bar has been there since the 1800s. Wow. You know, you can go into Antoine's and that bar, that restaurant has been open since before the Civil War. They're on their seventh continuous generation now of running that. Um, you know, this hotel where we are, the Montaillon, is still, you know, family-owned. Again, the View Carre was created here in 1934, and it was meant to represent all the different, like, you know, ethnicities, you know, in New Orleans. So again, it has a great story. So I really wanted to tell all those stories, I guess, from, you know, a sense of New Orleans pride. And, you know, you kind of have to think back, but one, there was no social media, so it was a totally different, you know, type of hustle. And when you start <laughs> a tour, it's like opening a hotel, especially back then. There's nobody there on day one. There yeah. might not be anybody there on day 30, okay? Cause you're trying to like get people to come. You're trying to create a sense of urgency. Uh, again, you didn't have TripAdvisor, or any of these things to help facilitate. So. I was kind of always trying to come up with ideas and promotions and again I had a full time job you know in addition to this so I try to take media people on the tour you know because I knew once I had them on the tour they would love it. Yeah. Um, My tour guide who actually is fantastic he's 74 he's been with me since day one. Oh so you still do these? Yes still do it today. Oh wonderful. Um, He's embraced the tour. Uh, He's written a book. He's become so popular since then um, about the tour. That's in about its sixth printing. And he's a retired school teacher, and he's perfect because you know a school teacher understands getting people's attention, kind of you know, you know, performing a little bit. um, But he's fabulous. So, the idea for Tales of the Cocktail came about to have an event to celebrate the first anniversary of that walking tour so came up with this idea for tales the cocktail we had a, a a press conference where we honored our historic bars and restaurants we had a little tiny happy hour in the back <laughs> of the carousel bar which i don't know if you remember when it was yeah. like the hunt club okay yep. i mean it was literally like a cave <laughs> back there okay they hadn't renovated we the video show yeah okay and um then we had 10 spirited dinners which everybody thought i was crazy back then but really the most amazing thing and i don't know how it happened was i got like dale DeGroff on the phone anastasia miller jared brown barnaby conrad i mean stephen viseke he's at seven museum exhibitions he's like the authority on cocktail shakers to wow. come to new orleans again i didn't know these people they didn't know me um so i mean dale's been to every tales of the cocktail since then um, we're actually honoring him tomorrow at our kickoff press conference so that's how you know the idea started and then what really was special was that was the first time those people met that's awesome and so you know again prior to that bartenders had no place they had no you know tribe they had no area to connect and What I think has worked out really well is that we didn't say oh we're gonna have like a wine event so it must have this we didn't so it wasn't like we must have a grand tasting we must have a vintner dinner Mm -hmm. we must have this it truly just evolved you know two or three years later somebody's like you ought to start a you know you ought to have a couple seminars okay uh, you know, that's how we started. This year we'll have 84 seminars. Wow. You know, we started the tasting rooms because, you know, people wanted to taste and we didn't want the seminars to turn into brand pitches. You yeah. know, so again, all these things kind of like can, a reason.
0: give us space so nothing is cannibalized by the next new yes. idea. Or how and then evolve. we don't that's always great. have good ideas. I mean,
2: sometimes we <laughs> try something and it doesn't work and then we take it away.
0: But um, I think, bad, I think those stinker ideas. Maybe they're not good at bad. I mean they, that becomes like fertile ground is how I call that. Like something mm-hmm. that's fertile that that kind of evolves that next idea so if you didn't have that bad idea you wouldn't have the next great right. idea. And that's well or
2: sometimes it's the timing or it's too soon yeah. or it needs to be changed or evolved and again we look at it you know my husband Paul always says this and I believe it that it's the industry's event we just organize it. So again cool. like there's a you know committee of people that reviews all the seminar submissions so again they select the 84 seminars Not us. Oh wow! You know, so again, it's not about what you know I think is interesting. Uh, It's about what the you know industry thinks is interesting. Again, the brands bring all new content. Like in seminars, we ask people to present all new content. It can't be something that they've been doing, you know, in other places. Again, same thing with our awards committees. So it's like the industry selects all these people. So they really do like curate the content, and then we take it and you know bring it to life.
0: That's great. That seems really. Like really, like um, great partnership for
2: mm-hmm. the people
0: that you are um, are um, that truly benefit first from it. That's well, I applaud you for that. That takes great insight and uh, pushing great, all the
1: bartenders forward. Well, that I mean,
0: it, it, an entire industry. You've changed the entire industry. You brought it back to a profession. I mean, yes,
1: I have I plenty to uh, to oh. and Honestly, I mean, it's been I I this is an honor for me to interview you. I'd like to be here today because I was like, <clears throat> I can't tell you how long it's been. There it wasn't a cat program when I first started right. with you guys. It was Gina. Do you want to go and choose 20 gallons of lime juice? <laughs> sure. For three oh. hours in a room, you know? <laughs> so that's an um, amazing thing. Like I seen and seeing Don today downstairs. I was like, god how many years has it been It's 10 years for CAP this this
2: year this is the 10th anniversary of the cocktail apprentice program this year so that's what Um, cap means you get
0: i've heard you say that a couple Uh, times so it's an apprenticeship
2: program yes and again it's really like the back of the house and i mean uh, again, my husband jokes that it's easier to get in Harvard now than the apprentice program. We had about, and again, they review these, not me, thank goodness, uh, over <laughs> 600 applications for 40 spots, wow. which 40 is the, the newbies. So is, how does that, How do they get into that? Who, how do they get into they, the program? They apply to be a part of the program. And again, they can be from anywhere. I mean, we have people again this year from Ghana, from Greece, from Lithuania, wow. um, but it's a peer to mentorship program. So the people that are applying at first are what we call the red codes. So they're the youngest okay then you apply to be a gray coat a gray coat has to have been a former red coat and then they have platoons of red coats that they're managing okay oh. then there's the black coats and you'll see this tomorrow when they're all in their chef jackets because that's how they're identified and then the black coats are another level and then the white coats are the ultimate like leadership so again that way it's like because what we found out is people want to participate in the program again in a different way sure um so it's like you know they apply for those different um levels to be a part of the program um but I, I do think you're right and i noticed this about our 10th anniversary and i'm very proud of this that you know i think three tails the cocktail it became okay to be a bartender again yeah you know so again like gina i mean she's a wife she's a mother this is her career yes though and you know prior to that you know and prohibition it had kind of lost its you know professional uh you know I don't know what the right word is but people didn't consider it a profession but we never consider that with chefs or anything
0: else. Exactly that's where I, I often think about the, the, mm-hmm. that career is that um, really good bartenders like Dina are more like chefs mm-hmm. and just you know, uh, don't get me wrong, I poured a few cocktails to get through college, but that was <laughs> yes. the goal. That's what right. I was using it for so that I could uh-huh. go go to school. That's how I, I paid my tuition. But yes. that doesn't mean that that's what it should be for everyone else, and it doesn't mean to insult anyone else who takes that into uh, a much higher level. I mean, I'm proud of myself because I can do a four, I have a four count pour. Oh,
2: there you still. go. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Okay. Like,
0: but I have well, but no means am I stepping up to,
2: uh, to and, Gina's and what, whatsoever. What you said, too, about the, you know, the seminar committee I think is really relevant too and the reason we do it that way is to keep the information what the industry wants to learn and I've seen that evolve over the 15 years again year 3 when maybe we had the first seminar nobody was interested in sustainability or work life balance or you know creating your own brand or you know can you copyright a recipe yeah. again so it's like what people are interested in and how the career has changed you know you see a lot of that in the content that we offer every year that what is, you know, relevant. Again, the last couple of years, we've done more, you know, seminars on beer. Because again, now, if you're running any kind of decent program, you know, you have to know a little bit about beer or wine or coffee or whatever. So, you know, I've really seen, that's how I guess I look a lot at how the industry's changing is by then the content that we're providing because you can see what people are submitting again related to what you know they're interested in
0: I think that's the brilliance behind it because honestly mm-hmm. I'm gonna say that again because you have you're taking um, you're taking your notes and, and your cues from the people who are on, mm-hmm. the, on the street in, in the bars and actually in the industry and there's to keep it that organic and that nimble allows you to continuously be relevant and yes. I mean, that's, I applaud you for that.
2: That takes a, a and, brilliant mind to figure to to and we implement pick, that. And we pick the content over anything else. So like, This year, we'll have 84 seminars. I don't know the exact number this year, but to give you an idea, last year, we had 11 seminars that had no sponsors or partners, okay? And then we had more than that, that only had like a partial or a little bit. And again, this is where I think is the difference, too, because again, it's not a brand presentation. We commit to the content. If we don't find the right partner for that, we're still doing that content. Yeah. And then, you know, in effect, we're the sponsor that's, you know, bringing in that presenter, paying them their honorary and putting them up (laughs) in a hotel, which is fine. But again, it's because we're committed to the content. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, the tasting rooms are another entity, and people love the tasting rooms because they know what to expect. Because well, you're going in there to taste, and
0: you know you're going to get a sales pitch. You're going to know the person right. behind a sales pitch, and then you're going to have a knowledgeable person from representing that brand to help you to to have you experience this. And it's kind of what you're set up to do. Whereas you're yes. going, if you're going into an educational space, you want it to be almost brand agnostic that it's for the betterment of, of your of your ability yes. and of, of the industry as a
2: whole. And we've yeah. also never had any exclusives. And you know I, you know, can be very opinionated. Um, some oh, people I don't know anyone like really, that. Really? Uh, no. Some people don't <laughs> like But Like, for example, you know, it, because to me, and I mean, Gina would know this better than me, you're not going to have one gin behind your bar. You yes, can have more than one. So it's like, I'm not going to have one gin at Tales of the Cocktail. Absolutely. And Gina is here, and she's interested in, you know, talking to Desmond Payne, the master distiller from Beefeater, who's celebrating his 50th anniversary in business this year at Tales. But she's also interested in talking to somebody that maybe has a new regional gin who wants to be here and talk to her. So yeah. again, I see it as everybody has their own piece of real estate and it's not about being big it's really just about doing something interesting but you know we do have a lot of panels sometimes too that maybe you'll have multiple bourbon distillers or multiple scotch distillers or something because again you know i'll look at it's like if you're truly you know if you're confident in your brand um that should be okay. And because a lot of times you need to bring people to a category first, yeah. like they need to find out what Pisco is, then they can start lurking at the nuances among the brands. So sure. it's like, if y'all work together, I mean, it's been really great. We've had tasting rooms with like 10 Piscos come together and participate. And it's like, to me, that's wonderful, because again, you have to bring people to a category yeah. before you even start saying, hey, you know, yeah, pick we like over. ours because of this. Yeah, but wouldn't you say, Gina, with the, having the variety
0: and the diversity of different um, uh, spirits behind your bar it, because you use them for different things because each one will have a unique flavor profile correct Isn't yeah it's it, like it's like
1: yeah you can't pigeonhole a chef right you know like oh you can mm-hmm. only use salt and pepper and we're all set here right <laughs> so literally it's exactly the same thing for me I don't look at my back bar as like oh this is the you know, only gin I use or I, I look at it as what flavor profile am I looking for so really it's a, it's mm-hmm. a spice rack yeah and mm-hmm. that's always how i've looked at it like mean, it, and, yeah mean, and some people like you know rack. get like very um oh my god you're using big brand you know because right now little brand is like really where everyone wants to be and i'm like well some london dry gins that happen to be big brands are fabulous and cocktails and there's just never going to be a replacement for that right now do you yeah. know what i mean and mm-hmm. and combine campari and a good example Campari. I feel like everyone's trying to go after Campari with like smaller versions of Campari. But truth of the matter <coughs> is, a true Negroni, no matter whatever you do, is always gonna be made with Campari. And of course, you can make rips on Negronis, and but to truly make one, you really have to have the Campari in it. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting. It's interesting, right? I think like and I and I can only see what you do as getting way bigger and like and and truthfully um i love uh tails 365 your idea but can you tell us a little bit more about it though because Um, the only reason why it's kind of like leads into that like every day learning more
2: right yes well, and I wanna add one thing to what you were saying about the spice rack too, cause I agree. Audrey Saunders explained it to me one time, I thought really well, cause I do not have like the the palate or understand flavors like Gina and these other professionals do. But she said, she looks at when she's creating a cocktail, like spirits in a boxing ring. And like, is this one gonna hold up to this? And yeah. Is this one gonna hold up to this? and you know she's kind of legendary for tasting or maybe trying a cocktail like 80 100 different versions of something but again i think you know like you said it's about the flavor you know it's not about the size of the brand it's like what works you know in that case and when she said that it just made sense to me because again yes somebody something has to stand up to the other ingredients in there yeah um well when you talked about you see us growing uh you know what we're trying to do now is basically grow and give people more access so i'm not trying to grow the new orleans event it's like i like the feel and the place that we are in new orleans so like for example we've had that same number of seminars the last few years okay we haven't added any more seminars um i'm very particular about that too because new orleans has a lot of festivals but there are a lot of festivals sometimes that i think people feel like leave them You know, it's like they get too big, they change, they don't have the same feeling that they did. And I've always wanted us to have the same feeling, whether we have 50 seminars or 80, of the people that come here. So now, through social media, through our website, we can actually impact a lot more people. So, like, we relaunched our website a couple years ago. We have a full-time editor. Uh, We put out two to three pieces of original content every day. Um, We pay our writers. You know, again, it's something very professional. Uh, And something like Tales 365, I really came up with that idea from talking to two gentlemen one year from New Zealand. Because, you know, they said in the beginning of the year, there were like 10 of them. And they were going to save their money and all come together, et cetera. Well, it only ended up being like two of them. And, you know, I used to kind of have this mindset that's like, oh, you really need to come to tails. Like there's nothing to replace that experience. And I still think that, but then after talking to them, it changed my mindset and I said, well, hey, but at the same time, we have truly the world's greatest minds here, okay? I mean, whether they're MIT scientists, whether they're, you know, book authors, whether they're mixologists like Gina, whether they're distillers, and it's like we should be capturing that content now and sharing it with other people. So, you know, we have started, you know, videotaping a ton of seminars. We videotape them at Tales on Tour. Then we put those, you know, on the website for people to, you know, access um, complimentary. And then with Tales 365, it gives them access to a lot of perks. So, again, you might be in New Zealand and you only come every five years, but you can still have access to, you know, seminars uh and the other really big perk for people is they get early access to tickets so they get to buy tickets like you know a week or 10 days before everybody else they get special pricing on tickets they get a lot of other like deal offers as well too um and it's only 49 so i mean we try to oh, keep it great. really cheap but again the idea is to hopefully give people more access to content uh and also relevant content so You know like tomorrow we're doing this three day three seminar series on sustainability like we're going to videotape that and put it on the website um and then on the website too we're working on you know we do stories on everything from you know burnout to insomnia to bartender hands you know in addition to you know how to make uh how to make a negroni yeah um because again this is your life now so again, we're trying to be you know very uh, relevant and like I said we can actually impact a lot more people that way but you know again Gina doesn't stop learning and to me the best people like she's still trying every one of those new gins and she's also trying the old gins. sometimes people do change formulas things change it's yeah. like you know you constantly have to be you know on your game. I think we've all been in a restaurant where we felt like they've all quit yeah. Uh, Unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite quotes from you know somebody I worked with like 20 years ago, the guy said, if you're gonna quit, have the decency to leave. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's true. We've all been to places like, okay, clearly y'all have checked out. Okay, so, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, so, you know, you're learning, you're talking to people, you're connecting. But again, um, I think what you, you've you just circled right back to the
0: fact that this is a profession.
2: Yes, it and is. And
0: it, it's not just a job. And it mm-hmm. is truly bringing honor to the profession. And by investing yourself, then you become better at what you do. And it's the passion of do, having, a, you know, like the fact that you have a great passion for what it is you're doing. You would like the same person from behind the bar or behind, how, anywhere, whether you're however mm-hmm. you're serving um, or at working, whatever job you have. Um, it's that great passion that makes a difference for every experience.
2: Well, and honestly, I have to say, and Gina, I'm not just saying this because you're sitting right here, because, you know, I mean, people follow Gina's spirited dinners, okay? Because yes. she's so amazing. Um, But, you know, your personality is perfect for this line of work, too. Because, again, it's like, you know, you're bubbly, you're warm, you're affectionate, you have a big smile. You know, I mean, other people have other personalities, but, you know, it's I just feel like, you know, it takes a certain person to have a good bedside manner um it was funny recently we did a story on the website on one of the gentlemen vasilis that owns a clumsies in greece which is an amazing bar and i didn't know till we did the story that he had actually 18 he was going to go to nursing school well
0: you know then he what? started
2: bartending to make money to go to nursing school and i was like well no wonder you're so good at hospitality you were going to yeah. be a
0: nurse okay i mean yeah. you know um, you can't get a better bedside
2: <laughs> yeah but again to be you know personable and passionate yeah uh i think you know again is just so crucial for this you know business and i have such unbelievable respect for bartenders because i tell people all the time it's physically and emotionally demanding okay i mean you're there you're on your feet you know 8 10 12 hours you're you know talking to people collecting money you know keeping everybody you know safe watching the room making multiple drinks again it's physically and mentally exhausting so it's like one you have to take care of yourself but yeah people need to respect that you know, yeah. it is no different than being a nurse or a doctor working a 12-hour shift.
1: Yeah. Now, if you can get us um, insurance. Like I know. Join, <laughs> if they can join my bar and just pay me a fee to come, <laughs> and know. then a co
2: would be for drinks. <laughs> We're talking major major life goals here, Ann. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, and hopefully that'll start happening. Again, we do have a seminar this year on tipping. And again, I think that those things will probably start coming to light more soon, too. And I'm also hoping that, you know, the bartenders can start demanding things in a little different way. And this is just an example I have of this, but we're doing a lot of work too. We're actually creating a program for our industry on what I'm calling violence prevention. Mm-hmm. We actually have eight brand partners. We're having wow. our first seminar tomorrow, but it's gonna be a long-term initiative. And like, this was just one you know, idea I had from talking to people is like, you know, if your bar had a code of conduct Okay, so, this is our code of conduct. Like, we have a statement of expectations on our website. This behavior is acceptable and unacceptable. Okay. Um, but, you know, so I want to have a lot of these tools again, like downloadable free on the website. Because imagine if you started going into every interview and you were like, great, I'm interested in the job. Now show me your code of conduct. Like, what's your policy on, you know, that great customer, but, you know, he grabs my ass every time he comes in. Okay. Yeah. Um, You know, then I think they'll be like, oh, I guess we got to do this because people keep asking for it, you know? Um, Again, so I'm hoping that at some point what they're not offering, we can just keep pushing. It's raising the bar. Yeah, It's raising the bar, it really is. You know, Gina and other people are working jobs just like anybody else. And they should have, you know, that same uh, the same opportunities.
0: Absolutely, and and be able to have um, and and not be subject to those types of things right. and behavior. I, I guess because alcohol is in that space. But you're right. A right. code of conduct by customers is or how they well, talk to you. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's like
2: your customers and your coworkers. And that's you, that's the you know, bigger problem than yeah.
1: than most things. Well, I think I, would say.
2: I think it's because whoever's at the top kind of sets the tone Absolutely. and whether there's peer pressure or not. Um, And then, you know, related to insurance, this is one of the, you know, funds that we have for cocktail apprentices is a medical aid fund. And unfortunately, you know, we've never told anybody no, but we see a lot more people asking, because again, if you, you know, break your leg and you're out for eight weeks, you know, you're not getting a paycheck, okay? and you know we've done a lot of things where you know we've helped people with medical bills um but then the other thing that we've done in some cases that i kind of like based on somebody's need our board reviews these things um is you know pay people's rent because usually that's somebody's biggest expense and you know what i don't want is somebody that gets hurt and you know they say you need to be out a month and they're like well i can only be out six days so i'm going to suck it up put the boot on and go back to work because yes. then they're not going to get they're going to heal, healed you know any better yeah um but yeah again there's a lot of people you know if they get hurt they're still getting a paycheck well you know i would again, imagine
0: that even extends even further for women who have
2: children women oh. who choose to be mothers i mean it is a right it's like you're in a hurry to get back to work because you know you feel oh. like you need to um you know, I mean, we've had stories. Again, we've done some amazing stories on our website. I mean, there have been women that their water broke behind the bar. I mean, they're literally God. working till the bitter end, and it's yeah. like, okay, I mean, that woman is badass to me. Whoever's doing that, I've never carried a child, but it's like you
0: are a badass.
2: <laughs> exactly. Okay? Um, you know, I mean, they, we have pictures of women like holding their babies behind the bar. Uh, you know, so again, I'm really hoping that those things can change and I think that's where the way I look at us is that we don't have all the answers. Yeah. But we're gonna do our best to create a conversation and provide information. So again, you know, I don't have all the answers on, you know, keeping people safe or I don't have all the answers on, you know, diversity in this industry, but we're gonna try to lead the conversations and provide information. 'Cause again I think we have a responsibility to do that. I, I think it's a I, I think that's a that could be you could probably make that statement across
0: the board throughout the United States and most professions and but you're right, this is one that definitely
2: mm-hmm.
0: um should demand all of those things. And I again applaud you for that. Those are those are um huge goals.
2: And, well and uh, I think it needs to happen more now because in the past you know, you were talking about bartending in college, you know, it was like a short term thing. So when you did that for three or four years and you like partied your ass off, you know, and you went to school and you worked, you know, 20 hours a week as a shot girl on Bourbon Street, you know, again, that's different than when, you know, now, you have three kids you're married again you you know have a mortgage yep. you have different things now that again it has become a career it's like your needs have changed yep. because again back in those days you didn't care if you had insurance
0: no. it was like okay this because you here. can live forever and nothing was going to break <laughs> exactly you know <laughs> yeah. right
2: again as the the times have changed it's like the needs have changed and i think that we're seeing that a lot now because it is okay for it to be a profession again before it was kind of like you know crash and burn other than you had mostly You know people worked at hotel bars if they were you know older and those were mostly you know men yes yeah do you know the percentage of women to men in this industry i well let me say this i'll back up we did a, a white paper last year on gender equality and just that looking at male female women are at a higher percentage in the industry but they're in lower positions so again they're not the manager the owner the whatever okay yeah um and then you know i hate to say it gets worse i mean if you're hispanic you know you're back of the house etc so they're in larger numbers but don't have the same access and power now, as far as Tales of the Cocktail, it's been great to see that we pretty much are like 50-50 men wow. and women now in terms of attendees. That's great. That's
1: mm-hmm. That's a, I, can I just say from observation, I think the last five years has become even more women heavy than even the first 10 oh, yeah. that I've been here. Yeah. I mean, it's been watching it, people who volunteer for the dinners, people who volunteer mm-hmm. that are just here to, to like observe has been pretty amazing
2: well yeah because you used to be able to name like there was like five women okay it was like audrey Julie, bridget albert you know okay <laughs> it was like okay yeah, you Charlotte. have them and you're good okay yeah and now you're right it's like there's you know tons more you know women and that is really good to you know see that they are comfortable entering this profession well it is definitely
0: a, has been a male dominated space i would always call it the men's locker room um, now, what tails is this for you Fourteen. I was so I was here with Charlotte. So
1: this yes. is, I came with Charlotte the first year, uh, first year for her. So yeah, fourteen. I know. again wow. I was gonna say yeah. That's fourteen years. So. And like I said, I really was juicing in the back of like <laughs> <laughs> right for Dale. said can you just make me some orange juice? Yeah. You know, that's
0: great. Thanks. All right so it then. Was good. So Gina, mm-hmm. here it is. All right. It's the moment. Okay. So you're gonna take all fourteen years of all that knowledge. <laughs> um wrap it up into a drink and uh you're gonna have to make something for this very impressive woman so i don't envy you to be honest but i can't wait to see what you do perfect all right great
1: all right so we're gonna make a f- uh, so we're gonna k- we're kicking off tails of the cocktail while we're down here so i decided to make something nice and light and refreshing a uh, little bit of beet apple we're using hendrick's gin a little bit of cucumber water lemon and we're just going to finish off with a little bit of soda water. Something nice. It's hot outside. Yeah. We're going to shake that out. It's all of that in one. We're going to put everything in one shaker, not okay. the soda water. Um, break it off. It's got a nice little fizz to it. Drop it on the floor. It's perfect. i no, <laughs> just kidding. Um, and now we're just going to pour in the glass and we're just going to give it a little fuzzy top. So, inside the glass, inside the beet juice, so there's beet juice, apple, a little bit of fennel um, was also pressed into the juice, so it's just nice and fresh, super easy. So, then the
0: type of glass you recommend for
1: this? Um, so, you're gonna pour it into a Collins glass over fresh ice after you've shaken it. And then we're just gonna finish it off with. Um, some herbs that I actually stole today. Oh, that's um, good. it's okay sorry. to steal herbs. I stole, yeah, I, yeah, actually, I poached them, if you will, from, in, from the uh, International House. Oh, yeah. And they are stunning. So we have a little bit of fennel top and then Very a little pretty. bit of apple. Um, that bar
2: is like a guard right there. The oh, International House spread spread. Okay, this looks so pretty. Okay,
1: I need to It's amazingly beautiful mm-hmm. there. And like all of uh, all the stuff that we found, but. Um,
0: so you would um so if you were going to put any other kind could you substitute any of that um any of that um those herbs for something else
1: sure you can do any like so um apples and apple and beet is really the sugar in there so you can really put any herb with it that would like you know something fresh that's in your area you have a garden you have mint growing outside please use it enjoy it um it's really simple it's just really the ratio it's a uh, two two ounces of the juice the beaten apple juice um, two ounces of the gin, a little bit of soda water, and then just finish it up with the
2: yeah, herbs. Okay. okay. That's really good. Yeah. I'm, I might not share with you, uh, <laughs> No, well, I'm used to what, my uh, own. what Gina was saying is code when she says light and refreshing. And again, you know, we, we say the humidity is really good for your skin, you yes. know, if you live down it here. Is. So, um, but yes, it can get a little toasty in July. Although I tell people it's hot everywhere in July, it's hot in New York in July, it's it not is. in Florida. Yeah. 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 So it's like, you can't complain about, you know, the heat here. Um, But yes, exactly. It's like light, super refreshing, simple, but creative. And again, that's what, you know, I think like really talented people like Gina do. Each ingredient has a purpose. We don't need 14 ingredients unless she says we need 14 ingredients. Um, But if you look at all the classics, too, it's like they're relatively simple and they're five ingredients or less. And again, you know the beets, the apple juice, the gin. Again, it's simple but flavorful. The final,
1: the final
2: Yeah, yeah. This this garnish is really pretty. It is very very pretty. Yeah, the aromatics
0: of it. You know, Uh always makes a cocktail. Yeah. So, Jean, I think you can take a deep breath now. You
2: made it through, (laughs) and and with with compliments at that. So. Well, let me tell you one compliment that you know, everybody always says about Jean, it's so true, is, uh, you know, everybody says her batch cocktails don't taste like batch cocktails in it's true. They still, like, taste like she made each one, like a la minute. And again, like I said, her dinners are legendary, the themes that she comes up with, them. and then every drink related to that, because, you know, it's like a meal. It's hard to nail, you know, from appetizer to dessert. And again, seriously, she comes up with these drinks and executes them, which that's the second part of that. It's like, you can come up with the drink, but can you execute it, you know, yeah. in that manner where you're serving like 80 at a time or 50 that at a time? consistency, yeah. Right, or something, um, you know, like that. Like I said, there are people that just, when the spirited dinners come out, they're just like, okay, where, where's Gina? And then again, that's where, you know, they're going to go. But yeah, so I mean, she's creative and interesting, and like I said, can... Execute on all these different, you know, levels. Oh.
1: Thank you. I'm actually it's humble. It's
0: true.
2: And I'm, I'm, I'm blushing. That, and yes, blushing.
1: she is. She's
0: blushing. She's like, shades true. red. So uh, have you ever heard me be so quiet? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the good thing is she's in my backyard, so I'm yeah, a lucky, lucky, lucky gal. I so
2: um you know I have one of your friends in Bay St. Louis down here now that uh and yes it's such a small world it's like I meet this girl in Bay St. Louis who's fabulous we're good friends now this is a town of 4,000 people okay in Mississippi um like 45 minutes from here and we first meet and she's like you know we're talking she's like oh do you know Gina Shersivani it's like yeah I'm like how the hell do you know her like you're yeah. okay, well, she <laughs> moved from D.C. to Bay St. Louis she has a good story but um so, yeah, she's always, uh, you best one I've ever been about, to, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah, she's <laughs> always bragging about uh, Gina, too. So, we just did a, a story on Gina recently on the website, and was like, When worlds collide, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did. Actually, she might be coming over here this week. She so. said she's gonna come tomorrow for yeah, the toast, okay, yeah, oh, good, yeah. so yeah, she's yeah. she's fabulous, so. Well, Ann, I want to thank you for your time. Oh, we thank you for having me. You even stole more than you were going to be able That's what happens. I start out. talking and I'm enjoying myself. Well, I'm then, like, okay, send of a time. I'll, I'll be late for that meeting. Yeah, that's yeah, true. So. Yeah, save the drink so that the end is good. Well, again, um, thank
0: you for having us here in your uh, lovely you. uh, city and having us at Tails. We greatly appreciate it. So, Gina, since we're on the road, this was last call. <laughs> um, you know the saying, we don't have to go home, but we just can't stay here.
1: We could try. Uh-huh. <laughs> we can stay here for a week, you know. I'm
0: with-